Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. This is the interview show with comic book writers and artists. And on this episode, I present to you the Baltimore Comic Con Women Creators Discuss the Evolving Comic Book Industry panel that I put together and moderated. The panelists were Meredith Finch, creator, writer of Rose Image Comics, and also writer of Wonder Woman, Mina Elwell, the creator and writer of Infranoct, being published by Scout Comics, her first comic book, as a matter of fact. Erica Schultz, writer of Charmed, being published through Dynamite Entertainment and also her own series, M3. And rounding out the panel was Dawn Griffin, creator and artist of Zorf, Bert, and Fred, and was at the Kids Love Comics Workshop. Now, all these guests have been on my show, and I've interviewed each of them, and I appreciate them being on the panel, and they were excellent, as was the audience there excellent. They had fantastic comments, some questions. So I only get about three questions in, maybe four questions in, and then I turn it over to questions and comments because hands just shot up, and you know I wanted to give everyone a chance to speak their piece. And I got just about every single person who had a question on the floor. One gentleman had to leave during the panel, and the other one, well, we just simply ran out of time. We used the entire hour and could have gone on even longer. So right after this intro, I'll just tee up the panel for you, give you a little bit of insight to how it was set up, and then we'll get right to a full hour of this panel discussion on women creators in the evolving comic industry, here now on Creator Talks. Mina and I first arrived at the panel room, there were already people seated there, and we thought they were there for maybe another panel, or were still doing a panel, but no, there were already like 15 people in the room just waiting for us to begin, so I set everything up, and I put the recording device maybe a third of the way down the aisle, so uh, we're on microphones, and I apologize because for the first maybe 10 minutes or so, I'm not on mic because we weren't all given separate microphones, Uh, we were sharing them. And so there was a toddler crying in the room, and that made it a little hard to hear me, so I had to lean into the microphone if someone had asked me to. And uh, that toddler crying was my son, Declan. So my wife was there, my son, Nolan, and Declan. And, you know, unfortunately, my wife had to step out with Declan a few times because he was getting a little fussy. Um, But regardless, you'll still hear the entire panel discussion. And where I put the microphone, uh, you can hear the audience questions very clearly, which was actually a good thing. So I'm glad I placed it where I did, because there were a lot of comments, a few questions, but mostly comments. So you'll get all those in this interview. The only thing I took out were coughs that were close to the microphone, because I don't want to blow your eardrums out while you're listening to this. So again, here's the interview. I boosted the volume as much as possible. I always have difficulty off-site when I'm not doing it over the phone, Skype, or in person. Uh, but Because at cons, it's really difficult, especially with the size of the rooms. Because this was a pretty big room. So let's get to it. This is the panel, Women Creators on the Evolving Comic Book Industry, Saturday, September 23rd at the Baltimore Comic Con. All right, I think we're ready to start. Is everyone here? Anyone not here? Welcome to the panel. Thank you so much for coming to the Moving Creators on the Evolving Comic Book Industry. I'll be moderating the panel. I'm your host today, Christopher Calloway of the Creators Talk podcast. I just do creator interviews. And that's what we're doing today. Today we're focusing on the evolving comic book industry from the perspective of women creators. Uh, and I want to introduce everyone on the panel first. Those of you who don't know them, first, Merit Finch. Merit. Thriller, 
Lovecraftian book, and that'll be out in time for Halloween. That's right, October 25th. So, oh, so we now have a date. Great, yeah, October 25th.
I mean, I've been consuming and reading comics and being a big fan since I was a little kid. And I remember like reading the credits page on my you know, giant Spider-Man trades and, and not seeing women's names there. And that's not, I'm not alone there. I think, I think everyone had that experience at some point. I'm thinking that's every industry. I think you can look around and be like, this doesn't feel very welcoming. And I mean, there's obviously women in comics now. And, you know, there's still not a ton of us, but that is a more comfortable place to be. So at least that's something that we can be happy about. Checked. Well, kind of like what Meredith was saying, um, I didn't start out with superhero comics and reading uh, floppy comics in the, in, you know, the classic sense um, when I was a kid. But I always read, you know, the funny pages in the newspaper. That was always my thing. I would grow up, as I learned how to read. And then I would read, you know, Peanuts comics when, my, you know, my mom would have them. And they used to sell them. Like, booksellers go door to door. And she still had these old comics. I still have them now. They fall apart. <laughs> but I still have them. And I, that's what I devoured. And I would just absorb all these different, um, you know, all these different uh, titles like Calvin Hobbes and Dewsbury and, County, and I was just, I just loved it. I loved, you know, if, I loved the simplicity of it, but also the fact that it says so much and so little. And I liked the humor in it too. I always liked to make people laugh. So I started when I started doing comics from probably about eleven or so. It was always comic strips, and it was always how can I tell a funny story? How can I have? How can I show someone else something? It was always about um, drawing something for someone else to read and enjoy. And so. Most everything I do is based on that. And um, for me, it just fell naturally into being a kid-friendly, um, all-ages type type artist where I can bring up the next generation the way that I felt when I was reading the funny pages. And I would maybe get to meet someone that, that drew comics or whatever. And it was just a big thing for me. So I love I giving back to the next generation. Um, so, and I've seen right now, for me, a boom right now young adult and kids comics and it's so exciting and I'm, I'm happy to feel like I stumbled into it, you know, like, oh good, I'm here now, <laughs> now I'm cool. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's it's kind of cool to see how, see that change. I remember the first time I went to a Comic-Con, it was this one, it was Baltimore, um, probably about 2006. And I didn't have a table because I'm like, well, that's superhero stuff. No one's going to want to buy anything from me. I'm going to do superhero stuff. And now that's like absurd. You can walk around, there's so much different stuff all over all of our Sally that, that ranges fast and far and wide. And that was my perception at the time. And it's changed even more since. So And there's young adult the kids' books, they appeal to both boys and girls. So yeah. you're probably gonna wind up creating more women creators down the road that way because they're now reading comics too. Now we still have a long way to go. We've made a lot of progress, but still a long way to go. What do you think you can do, and each of us should do in this room, to help increase the number of women creators in Congress and balance them out and more diversity? I'm sorry, can you please speak up? Sure. Or speak into the mic, one of the two. Yes, thank you. I was going to say, the question is, what can we all do, and you as creators do, to continue to improve the diversity and evolution of the comic industry to make it even better? We can support, we support more books, support more creator-owned books, support more books with diverse characters, support creators, um, and if you have an interesting, diverse story that you want to tell, tell it. You know? Like, nobody, no, you don't really have to get, from, I know technically you can't just go out and write a Spider-Man story, obviously, but, you know, if you have an interesting story that you want to tell, tell it, tell the story, put it as a, as a webcomic or something like that. And so when you see someone doing an indie book that, or even, uh, even a, a, a published book that is doing something that you like, support it. You know, write something on Facebook, write something on Twitter and say, hey, so-and-so, you know, tagged on in a, in a post. I read such and such and I really, really loved it. I love everything Don has. I have her commission on my wall still. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I don't pay her, I swear. <laughs> no, she just sleeps on my couch sometimes. <laughs> and you make, you make me omelets um, and stuff. <laughs> I heard something really awesome yesterday, which I think benefits, I think is great for women and the next generation. So I had a teacher stop by my booth, and uh, he's blocked for me before, and, and he, he was really excited about, you know, he's an art teacher, teaching kids that are probably about 11 years old, so in, you know, starting middle school. And he said something that was really interesting about the breakdown between the girls and the boys and how they approach comics. He said, the boys, they just draw. Batman, Spider-Man, they draw all the same characters, and they don't want to do anything new. They want to do same old, same old. And the girls, it's just like they're saying, I don't care what you think of it. And he's like, it's interesting because the boys are very scared to do that because they're afraid of criticism. They're afraid of, well, everyone already likes Batman, so I'll show Batman and then that'll be fine. And the girls seem to be pushing past that. And I think that's I think that's really cool, and it's good to encourage that. So he's he was talking to me about what can I do to help boys. <laughs> and it kind of made me think about the women's industry right now and how we're seeing, like you're saying, more diverse. Everything is getting that narrow and now it's getting more diverse. Kind of funny how a lot of women are getting involved in comics right now, huh? So maybe some men can get involved in looking at things beyond superheroes and like, oh wow, this is this is really different. I mean, I'm used to, to Superman, but this is a, this is totally different uh, and, you know, I'm encouraging that too. So I think it's very, it's very important. But yeah, I think we just push, we push people to think outside the box and try something new as much as we can. Whether they're, you know, a female doesn't matter. But um, I think that would be good. Diversity will just keep, you know, causing more diversity. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, um, my shortness. <laughs> yeah, I think in terms of, you know, you see people getting in big fights about it on Twitter and Sure, that's that's great. It's great to spread your opinion and promote people that way. But rather than saying, you know, don't don't bash this creator, just buy your book and tell tell people that you liked it, because that's the best thing that you can do. If you can support a creator directly, that's the best thing you can do for someone. If you can tell people that you love their book and that it meant a lot to you, I mean, that means a lot to me, and I think it probably means a lot to everybody, right? Like hearing that somebody really connected to your book. And if you can pass that book on to somebody else, that's how the fan base grows. And that's how you connect it to kids. Like if you can bring that book home to somebody else and it can inspire them, that's how we keep moving forward. Because kids mostly only have access to the books that their parents give them. Like that's how I started reading comics. And I was lucky enough to have a dad who gave me indie comics. But in general, kids only have access to, you know, Marvel and DC books, which are wonderful. Um, but don't always have, uh, they're starting now, starting to have a really big range of diverse options. And then occasionally webcomics once they get online. But if you have an indie book that you love, you know, introduce it to more people. That's basically my takeaway. Mary, any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I really feel like the great thing about the push these days is that we have room for everything now. I like the fact that you can still, I, I never want to take away from what is already in existence and people love. I love the fact that the internet and social media has made people just more aware of other options. So there should be comics out there and awesome superhero comics because that's what my boys <coughs> love. But I also love the fact that there are graphic novels that are appealing to everybody. And so when you're looking and specifically some that are geared toward women. So when you're looking at what are the steps or the things that I can do to support greater diversity within the industry, I think it really is about supporting, like everybody else here has said, supporting those people whose work you really respect and admire. So if you have a particular female artist or a particular female writer that you love their work, then let let them know that you love their work, um, support their work, and and ultimately, I feel like you're seeing already changes within the industry because of how readers are responding to increases in diversity, and it's like starting a snowball down a hill. It will get bigger the more 
and the faster that snowball starts rolling. So I, feel, I like to think there's room for everybody. I never want, I always feel a little uncomfortable when, because I have young boys, I don't want to say we should take comics away from boys or we need to change the comics that are out there that are great for boys. What I do really want to see, and I think what we all want to see is comics that are great for everybody. Women, men, <clears throat> whatever you want to see in a comic, that should be out there for you to see in a comic. And if you don't see it, then, then do it yourself. And, and there's so many options out for self-publishing that weren't there even 10 years ago. And for those who aspire to be creators or who are creators, you know how important it is to have a lot of diversity of ideas where you get your sources, source information from. So if you just read Superhero, you would probably just be able to do Superhero. Uh, think about some of the greatest bands out there, rock bands, where they got their influences from. Did they get it from another popular rock band? No, they were digging into all kinds of stuff from all different sources, and they come up with their own unique sound. Well, if you're reading a lot of variety of stuff in these books and the superhero books, then you too will probably have a better shot at creating something completely original if you look at different sources rather than just what everybody else is looking at. Now, we mentioned social media, and it can be a great boon for creators because you can get a chance to connect with fans. I mean, back in the day, we didn't have social media. We had you know, smoke signals, letters, <laughs> letter pages, you know, but now, Social media is instantaneous. That's a good thing. On the other hand, sometimes people don't think before they tweet. And that creates other problems for the creators. And you know, there are people on either end of that communication. They're not you know, faceless individuals. They are human beings trying to produce work, work they care very much about and are very passionate about. So they want your feedback, but you know, some people are not so kind. So how do you manage social media so that you can stay in contact with fans and how do you handle those who kind of get a lot of control and uh, be a little nasty? I just block them. <laughs> I, here's, here's really how, this is how I feel about it. I put a lot of time and effort into what I'm doing. And if you don't like what I'm doing, I'm totally okay with that. But you don't have to put that on me. So I try to put, be very respectful responsive and positive with people that I interact with on social media, I expect that in return. If you have something genuinely that you disagreed with or didn't like and you say that to me in a respectful way, then I'm going to respect that feedback. I may take it or not take it as I choose, but as long as you're communicating in a respectful way, you're going to get, I will try to respond to you and, and, and have that interaction, but if people get negative, I, there's a block button for a reason and, and I'll I use it freely. Yeah. No, I, I agree with Meredith. There's, you know, there are a lot of people that engage with that negative, uh, the whether they're fans or just people that just want to start stuff, and they engage with them back and forth, and it turns into this whole big thing, and then there's an article on some website with all the screen caps and everything. I, that's that's too much. That's too much energy and. Uh, and stress and brain power worrying about that BS, that, you know, that I can actually take that energy and put it into making the book. So if somebody's coming at me with, you know, really negative, like, you know, fine, like she said, if you say if you didn't like something and you respectfully just say, hey, I think you could have done it differently, okay, cool, I get it, thank you very much. But if you're gonna come at me with garbage, then just, yeah, I don't, I don't need that, go bother somebody else, I think that there's, I think on both sides of the table, there's a bit of toxicity because you get some creators that people come at them and instead of, and when they engage back, it just turns into this like shouting contest. And I basically like see in my head, these two people like on either side of the table just shouting at each other, trying to shout over each other. Nobody's listening to you. You're not even listening to each other. And that is not a way to, to have any type of dialogue or communication. So just, you know, social media is great though because there are fans that, you know, will meet you at a convention and say, oh, you know, pick up a book that they've never picked up before and then make a, you know, tweet to you in social media and be like, hey, I picked up your book at Baltimore Comic Con and I really, really loved it. Um, when's the next one coming out? 
You know, and then and that's great because you can get a lot of positive feedback, but as with everything, you know, you gotta take the good with the bad kind of thing. So I'm just listening because the infernal page is still small enough that we're a little clubhouse and we just talk about monsters and <laughs> I send fun stuff in the mail. <laughs> so I'm, I'm waiting. But that's great advice worth listening to. Nobody comes after a dog. <laughs> you can't. She's I was I was just gonna say, um, I feel like I've been shielded from this. Um, being the work that I do is, is kid friendly, and, and even when I'm trying to push boundaries, because in my comic I don't try to make it safe. I just try to make it appropriate and insightful and sophisticated, with without being over kids' heads too much, you know. Um, so. You know, I do have adult readers for my comic as well, and it's web comic to start, so people were reading it online. Um, and, you know, I, I, I wouldn't get much bad feedback, so I don't have uh, a ton to pull from in terms of, you know, when you get some sort of troll on, on your, in your comment section, just like letting loose, and it just doesn't happen much with cute little aliens disguised as dogs. <laughs> I can just imagine anybody going in there like, I'm going to tell you that. I'm not going to bother. So, uh, mostly what I get might be kind of um, a more honest criticism, constructive criticism. And that's all welcome, right? You know? Um, so, and in dealing with that, it's just, you know, uh, for anybody that might go too far, uh, my advice, um, my advice to others is to just kill it with kindness until it appears that they just don't want to die, <laughs> and then let them go, let them go, you know, block them if, if necessary, if, it, if it's that type of thing, or just, you know, let them continue on in their comments if they want to, eventually they, it looks worse on them than it does on you, and anybody else paying attention will see that pretty clearly, um, but yeah, people are, you're not going to please everyone, there are going to be people who don't like your comic, or don't like your message, or your writing, and you just, going into it, you just have to realize that's part of it. And that's okay. And do what you can to control yourself. With the serenity prayer, you know, do what you can to, over what you can control and let go of what you can't. Yeah, and I think that, that you try to apply that to social media and try to take the emotion out of it. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I'm not the best person <laughs> to speak from personal experience, but. Well, dealing with people in person, think back to your comic shop experiences as a consumer going to the comic shop is being there for a signing is different, you're on the other side of the table, but when you would go in looking for books and also think about at a convention how it has changed as an attendee, not just as you know, someone at a panel, but or at a table, that's just going with everybody else. How has that changed? What experiences have you had that stand out in your mind at a comic shop or at a convention and how has it changed? I had one experience at a, at a big shop in New York and that's the reason why I shop at yes. the comic book shop. So I, I worked around the corner from this big uh, comic shop in New York City, I will not name names, and um, <laughs> it was, Emily has a story, um, and it was really cold and gross, and I had my ugly coat on. It's warm, but it's ugly, so I call it the ugly coat. So every once in a while, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see, like, oh crap, it's ugly coat season. Um, and so I came in, and I was disheveled and exhausted, and you have to go up this ridiculously steep flight of stairs to get there. And I had my full list written, what? Yeah, you know, you know exactly what I'm I'm not, I'm not a good liar. And I had my full list written real quick on like post-it. And so I walk in, and everybody's walking through the aisles on a Wednesday. Oh, if anybody needs any help, let me know, blah, blah. So there was a book that I was looking for that was not one of the new books. It had come out like several years earlier, so it wasn't on like the new stuff wall. So I stopped, you know, like pulled the guys down. I said, "Excuse me, I'm looking for this," and I showed him my post-it, and he goes, "That is so sweet. Did your son put his pull list on a post-it for you?" And I just and I looked down the aisle and I saw the M3 trade down the aisle, and I'm not gonna verbatim repeat what I said to this guy, but it was not exactly the kindest of language, and I I had like my little, you know, arm basket, and I just dropped my books, and I just walked out. 
And there's a great shop in Delaware called The Comic Book Shop. It's really easy to remember. We <laughs> love them. And um, they've always been really great in terms of doing signings with me and stuff. So I emailed the owner and I said, I want to get my comics from you. And I live in New Jersey and we're going to find a way to make this work. So every week I email them a pull list and once a month they send me a package of books. And that's why I'm always behind on what the latest thing is because I get my books once a month. But I'd rather do that and pay a little extra in shipping knowing that I'm supporting people that support me and people that that carry indie books like ZNF and things like that. So you don't have to go to the big box stores. I'm just telling you that. Like you can find comic shops. Like and if your local shop is run by a bunch of jerks, don't go there. They're not the only game that's happened ever. So that's my comic shop story. <laughs> store very often, um, if only because I have a very busy life. I'm just trying to get my own comic out the door these days. But uh, I, I guess what I would say is I noticed that comic book stores are, are evolving as the consumer is evolving. So we definitely have a few stores in my town. And one of it is very one of them is very traditional, the, the wall of books and the long boxes. And, and I know I always felt like a couple times I would go into a comic book store intimidated by that setup because you have to look through the lots to find stuff and it's not like the library where you just, like it didn't seem very easy to find things. Um, we have a new comic book store that opened up in town um, that I tend to direct my female friends to if they're looking for a comic because it's white cubes, it's very bright, there's couches, it's open and things are alphabetized in, a, in sort of a bookstore, like it has more of a bookstore kind of feel. And I think there's, I like that there's a place for everything. Like if you want that grungy sort of, I'm going to the comic book store. <laughs> <laughs> there's that, you can have that. And then if you want to like, oh, I'd like to get my nephew a comic book for Christmas. Now there's a place that I can send those people to. So I do feel like comics are evolving you can get them, in, I can get them even in bookstores now. So the opportunity and, and the ways in which you can access comics are changing so much that I think it makes it more accessible for people who might not feel comfortable walking into that comic book store. <laughs> I'm 64, so I've been reading comics since forever. <laughs> I discovered them probably when I was about three or four, you know. I think, uh, actually I think one of the first comics I read was, was A Mystery in Space about Thor, you know. And I went to sleepaway camp and, you know. But in terms of going into the comic book shop, I never felt intimidated. I mean, frankly, I didn't give a damn, you know. Um, so when I hear people talk about, you know, women being intimidated in comic book shops, I, I personally have a hard time understanding that. I mean, if someone comes up to you and, you know, like Erica's store, you know, that's, that's a different thing, you know. And 
I'm from Jersey, the New York area, and I can Tina. I work at Holy Name Hospital. <gasps> I was born in Holy you Name Hospital. You were Holy Name? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so anyway, um, you know, I would have given that person, I, I have a pretty I, good idea about <laughs> your reaction, yeah, because I would have done the same thing, but I'm just saying that I have a hard time understanding why a woman should feel intimidated because it's like my money is just as green as anybody's. It's uh, I think it was uh, I think it was Bob Costas who said when he was talking about on HBO his sports show, and he said the only color that counts in the world is green. You know and. I do no. think what women find intimidating, or I know what I found intimidating, is okay. just the, the lack of organization. That sometimes when you go into common courts, uh -huh. not that anybody made me feel uncomfortable as a woman, but right. it's not like walking into my shoe store uh -huh. where everything's on display. It's not like shopping at, at a boutique store. It has a very different kind of, like a typical common book store is a lot of long boxes, uh -huh. and they've got... You don't understand comics, and you're walking in there for the first time, you don't understand what that wall is that's got all of this week's. So for me, that was more about, like, I don't even know where You didn't to understand that, the atmosphere. The, what the concept Like the Malou. Which is why I, when I say I send my girlfriends to another comic book store, I send mm -hmm. them to one that's much more like a boutique store. Yeah, that sounds funny. Because fun. it's easier. I want them to be able to get out and get their comics. Right. But I also want them to be able to get it have a positive first time experience mm -hmm. and not feel intimidated by okay. the, the walls or the rows and rows of long boxes okay. where you have to find something. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm just going to kind of just jump ahead to the Q&A because uh, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I want to get to anyone who wants to ask. Uh, just, there's three questions. So, Mandy first. Uh, so say, I'm not someone who's intimidated very easily, but I will say that my experience going to comic book stores has been that a lot of times it's my progressions. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, it's when I'm 16 years old and coming into the shop I've been going to for a couple of weeks, and I will say the manager of that store, I still see him, he's a wonderful person, was very encouraging to me when I was getting into comics. But someone will turn around and go, I've never seen a woman in here before. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's situations like that. It's, well, can't you just say, well, now you have. <laughs> yes. However, not everyone is willing to go, and, and not everyone is that, for lack of a better term, ballsy. And it shouldn't be that women have to do that. Well, you shouldn't have to hear that. Right, right. you yes, should. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't to, have to be that. ready to fight to get your comments. Yes, <laughs> women shouldn't have to when they come to a convention like this. A couple weeks ago, I went to a signing at Third Eye Comics with Charles Soule. Sat out there reading Daredevil, which he wrote. I had the guy, the guy in front of me went, we were getting more into there. Oh, uh, so you know, you're reading Daredevil, right? I said, yeah. He goes, you know he wrote that too, right? <laughs> As if I hadn't thought, realized that I was reading the comic with the guy who was there. It's, it's microaggressions that make people feel uncomfortable. And I don't think you're wrong about the organization thing. That is a nice thing to have. But my friend and I, we both, are, we both used to work at a store in DC, which is now probably the most woman and queer and POC friendly store around. And that's a big deal. Is if you feel welcome somewhere you're going and not like you're going to be harassed or made to feel like you shouldn't be there. In turn, like working in that store, um, every single shift that I worked there, some man would come in and go, so do you actually read the comics? Oh, or do you just oh, work here? Like three years straight. And it never happened to any male coworker. It got to the point where our manager made a sign with Batman on it stuck it by the register, it said, yes, gentlemen, she actually reads the comics. Like, it was, and then if you said yes, they would start quizzing you on their favorites, right? So it was very much like, okay, you can join the club, but only if you meet our standards, Let me show right? you how better I am. First, yeah, right? it's having to jump through 15 zillion hoops um, that the boys don't have to. Um, and that can create an environment where you don't actually feel welcome, and that can divert girls or anyone who is not a straight white man from getting involved in the genre because they don't feel like they belong there. There's a couple more questions. Uh, so this is kind of like a question and like building off of this, and I'd love to hear how you guys feel about this. So. My, I'm, obviously I have a mohawk, I don't care what people say to me. Once you start shaving your head, you know, you don't care anymore. But um, my youngest sister is very much that stereotypical idea of femininity where she 
reserved, very modest. Um, and she just can't understand my obsessions with, you know, avoid comics, but she loves, you know, stuff like your work, and she loves, um, she loves anything bright and sparkly. She grew up reading my hand-me-down Sailor Moons, you know. So she just loves that kind of stuff. But she went into a comic book shop that I told her not to go into, and um, <laughs> that's what she was looking for, but there's this weird stigma, and the man was very rude to her. Of course you like that, of course you want that. There's this weird stigma with the family-friendly and the bright titles that they're not as good as the other works. So have you guys ever experienced that, where it's like, yeah, you're right in this, but it's not, you know, man explosion has a gun type deal. I've done that. I'm sure this looks good for a girl. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's lesser because something's not blowing up or, you know, because everyone can enjoy it. So, um, yes, I'm only 17 years old, so yeah, that. But ever since I was young, I've been in love with comics for a long time. Usually when I'd go to the library, my parents would try to direct me somewhere else other than the comics, but I'd always find myself reading 500 issues of Archie and like trying to see what all this like scary imagery is. Um, one of the first comics I got into, which was a bit scary and something that most of my friends said, why are you reading that? You're not really what they want in that, for that demographic. But I started reading the Bones series, mm -hmm. and I loved it so much. It's a mix of fantasy and also kind of like mind horror tropes. And I started getting into more like more dark, what you would expect a boy to read. And they also kind of led me to my gamings. And it's like whenever you are at a comic book store, it's like you see a ton of boys, and I'm pretty much the only one just lying around with a bunch of boy comics. And just being a girl in any kind of thing in general that you expect a boy to do, it's just like you're like the outsider. And like I'll be playing one of my favorite multiplayer games, and they'll be like, wait, you're talking. Are you a girl? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a girl, and I'm playing this nine-person shooter game that I love and enjoy. And they're like, why are you playing this? And it's like, I just said, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed killing people on opposite teams. <laughs> uh, and they're like, they like try kick me out, but it doesn't get enough votes. And I'm like, it's I'm the one that got the point. It's, it's very weird. And then it kind of feels the same way at a bookstore. Like, I'll go to a comic book store, and mom is like, here we go. There's a comic book store. I literally run in into the manga section, because I'm a Japanese nerd, and also comic book section as well. I'll look at some girl comics, but then I'll see boy comics, and then I'll look at one, and then we'll go to the register, and it's like, are you sure she wants this kind of comic? It's like... I think also that it has to be very interesting that you said, though. You said boy comics and girl yeah. comics. It yeah, it doesn't, shouldn't be separated, yeah. but that's what I normally hear from different people. It's like, why can't they be one comic? Well, yeah. that's the thing, is like, that's that's the perception that we want now, is that... I'm not like, her mother, I'm her aunt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I don't question whatever she wants. When I saw her reading Bone, and how old were you, like seven? I was, I was like, seven. yeah, go, <laughs> <laughs> like, That's the thing, is like this idea of like pink and blue, yeah. you know, boys it's, comics versus girl comics. No, anybody can read anything that they want. Like, yeah. The, whoever the police of <laughs> comics is, I was just going to agree with a lot of the other sentiments, like there's a gatekeeper effect which she was describing. You walk into a comic book store and like she said, everybody turns around to look at you. And when you're a 14 year old girl, which was about how old I was when I first actually started getting a bin, but I was like 8 when I first started going to comic book stores. There's everyone looks and you're like, oh, you're not supposed to be here. So I think that's just the sentiment. And the the boys versus girls comics, a lot of the women comics, they do have like <coughs> brighter colors. Like Batgirl now is very like pop, like bright pinks. I don't like that. Like I like Gail Simone's run. So I like. I think they think they're marketing to women, but they're not because. Mm -hmm. Women just want to read good comics. Yeah, the idea of women. Yeah, yeah real, I mean, 
to be honest, what I always read was, uh, the first thing I was really into was like the Sandman comics. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, the biggest market for women in terms of films is horror films. We're the biggest viewers of horror movies. There are certainly things marketed towards women, and I'm not saying women don't like those, because we do. But we also really like other stuff. So don't feel like you have to enjoy things just because they're girls. But also, if you like that, like that too. It's all good. Like, it's all fun. We're all. We're all. Yeah. I think, um, just to comment on some of what you guys, the stories that have been told here, should that be the way it is? No, of course not. Of course not. But I think what we're seeing is similar to any time there is progress over a long period of time. There's going to be pushback. And there isn't going to be pushback unless there's progress. So we're seeing progress. People are going in to have these experiences when they weren't before. That's why they get the pushback. Mm -hmm. You have to keep going in, support the stores that support you. Um, just to have a comparison. I was always a tomboy growing up. And I played a lot of sports. And I love basketball. And I didn't like playing on the women's team. So in high school, I played a lot of pickup, pickup street ball. And playing with all guys, of course. Every single time I went out there, a new batch of guys come out. I have to prove myself. Mm -hmm. I have to prove myself as not just somebody's girlfriend who wandered onto the court. So it's kind of the same, same way. So I think maybe I'm getting to a point where I'm with you. I'm at that not give a damn point anymore. I just, I know I'm going to receive some of this pushback and some of the things that I do. I'm going to have little comments, little snide things. Um, like at a, early on in my Comic Con days, I'd be at my table and someone would come up and look at my stuff. When's he coming back? Wow. <laughs> 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 I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> yeah. And I want to make sure that I mention at the end of it, because I kind of joked around with the person. I don't think they necessarily meant as a slam, you know. I think they felt so much worse than I did leaving that. And I think they might have time they went to a table they didn't just assume that if there's a woman at the table she's just you know she's just manning and taking the money but she's not the creator I think that person everyone has to learn something along the way so every time you go into a comic shop and you treat people with respect even if they're not doing that for you they may think again if you leave your books behind you're going to buy your color green and you leave that behind they may think again you may not see it I don't go back but to over that over property, I don't. I have not heard in the past five years anyone say, "When's he coming back to my table again?" So I'm seeing that progress, and it's because I'm still here every year. They see me come back. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember seeing you last year at the show, and I start seeing other women tabling more and more and more at these shows, and I think it's just we're going to have to ride it out, and I think the part of that is we're going to have some pushback. Let's just see how we can handle it. like social media to go back to that. Come with kindness and then you're reminded of a store that you ever I mean, see You ever see grass crack the uh, sidewalk? <laughs> That's basically what it is. Tiny little grass seed. Took a while, but guess what? It cracked sidewalk. Cracked concrete. It's exactly what it is. So it might take a while, but it's going to be great. Yes, sir. I'm a, I'm a comic retailer. I have a shop in Woodbridge, um, and let me say, and some of my favorite personal comics I read regularly, Kelly Senior Comics, Bitch Planet, makes me think, Gail Simone's uh, Crosswinds right now, loving that book. They're good, good books, but they're also short-themed, so I have to kind of be cautious about who I recommend them to. I see a woman come into the store with her children, and they're, they're, she's looking for something to get their kids interested, and thank God, Boom has a young ages, you know, complement of titles that I can kind of steer them toward. I can't, it's like, oh, I know you want your kid to read Spider-Man or you want your kid to read Batman. Tom King's Batman is very good, but not for your eight-year-old. You know, Spider-Man right now is really good, but not for your eight-year-old. So, you know, I got to kind of tap dance on that. ZNF. <laughs> but, you know, I try to, I read 173 comics a month. I take home and collect 173 titles. I try to read Marvel, DC, <laughs> Image, IDW. Yeah, it's, it's and, and then I try to remember the names. I'm like, oh, 
Meredith Finch and David Finch working on Wonder Woman together. Hey, you should check this out. Uh, it's, it's a good story. It's got this going on. It's got that going on. Look at the art, read the story, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I can read it and say, you know, from a, at least I've read it, this is what you want to try. When people walk into the comic shop, you know, smile, hey, how are you? Good afternoon. Men, women, I don't really care. I don't care how old you are. You know, again, I got a profile a little bit. You know, you're a 10-year-old with your parents, so there's a limit as to what I can expose you to. You're not ready for Bitch Planet yet. <laughs> but that is a fantastic book. Um, so, so I will be looking at all of your things and putting them in front of the eyes that I can put them in front of. But I like to make my comic shop not intimidating. I'm a big believer in alphabetical order. Hey, the Amazing Spider-Man is under A, and Zot is under Z. But it is rows and rows and rows of long boxes, but they're alphabetical. You have made this woman so happy. It's like, it's like anything else. You just got to go a couple times and get used to how it works. The first time you walk into anything that's a new situation, it can be intimidating. But the more you do it, and I think that, I hope, that that's the experience that women are getting as they go into comic book stores. The more you do it, the more comfortable you feel. You find a comic book store that you can have a relationship with the comic book owner or employees, and that's, it's like anything else. There are some grocery stores I shop at and some I don't. There are some shoe stores I shop at and some I don't. And you always want to support the people who are supporting you. So if you feel comfortable being at a place and that, you know, direct your friends there and, and then those those places that are supportive of a diverser audience and a diverser customer base will will do better because of that. Thank, thank you. Thank you for, for making yes, a place you. like open and inclusive. Thank you for that. And to your point, you know, the, the really only distinction the stores need is just age appropriateness. Mm -hmm. It should be cog line, it should be gender neutral, it should matter about orientation. You might want to point certain books out that someone might like, but don't make any assumptions. You don't right. know what they like. Maybe, maybe ask them, what do you like? And then you can point them in the right direction. But that should really, I think, be the only distinction is kids' books. The two best comic shops that I like, the person that runs them is like is dead on in targeting. And then what they'll ask is, what do you read now, regular books? Or what do you watch on TV? Or what movies do you like? And then, and this is this is Sarah from the comic book shop that we keep mentioning. Um, and uh, but they're very good at nailing that, and it can really bring in someone that doesn't have any clue. Like I've never really been in a comic, but kind of want to check it out. It's a great way of segueing where you don't have to start figuring out. Well, okay, there are women in this this age range or whatever. You just ask them what they like, and it works so well. It's wonderful. Comics are basically just stories, though. It's like I always ask people at conventions. I you know, they look at my books, well, what's this about? And I said, well, what kind of stories do you like? What kind of movies do you like? What kind of books do you read? You like mystery? You like this. If you like goofy, you know, madcap kind of harebrained schemes, you'll like this. It's, it's literally just a medium for telling a story. So when someone says, well, I don't like comics, well, do you watch movies? Do you read books? You like storytelling. That's all it is, is it's just getting a story across in a different way. It's asking questions instead of making assumptions. It's, it's really yeah. that simple. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I know for me, one of the things that makes me the most uncomfortable about comic book stores is just the, seems often unnecessarily overly sexualized female characters, especially on covers of comics, and I was wondering um, your opinions on that, but also if you feel pressured to do that in order to sell more comics, or if, you know, sometimes I'm just curious about Well, I'm, we're writers, you guys are artists. Oh, don't do that. Like, <laughs> like uh, you have, like, I used to have a bunch of friends in, in college that smoked all the time. And if I ever, like, just to, like, mess with them, because I never cared to smoke, I, I just, if I ever, like, tried to take a cigarette, they'd, like, like snap at What are you doing? And that's kind of the reaction that people know that this is my, this is where I am. The idea of making something, like, you know, sexy and, and more edgy and everything, they're just like, I can't even fat on that. So I think if you have a brand set up, people kind of get that. But yeah, I mean, I would say, because I have worked for Zenoscope, and Zenoscope is kind of infamous for those kinds of covers, 
At the same point, if you can get past the cover to the story, their stories are nothing like that. Their stories are all about strong women doing strong women, strong women things, right? <laughs> and unfortunately, those covers are what give them the money to be able to publish those books. So if there wasn't a market for the covers, then there, you wouldn't have all those, those great books out there. So it is unfortunate. You, can, you always have the option of, of deciding with your, with your money what you're going to support and what you're not going to support. But you know, until I think women make greater inroads into, into to what they're buying, and, and, and we still are not a huge percentage of comic book buyers. Like certainly women are a much larger percentage than they were, but they are not 50% of comic book buyers right now. So I'm willing, I have to be honest, I'm willing to make that sacrifice on a cover sometimes just so that a great story, another great story can get published. But I don't necessarily go and buy, like they do a selection of variants, so I won't buy that. That's not the variant I'm gonna buy. But I'm gonna buy something that I feel comfortable and I always try to, anything I'm doing, I'm very conscious of that for myself. But I would never, just like there are women out there who like to be very sexy, I think, and there are women who like to be very conservative. There are men who like to be very sexy. I mean, I mean to be honest, although Superman has got clothes on, you can see everything. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's about a skin tone. Mm -hmm. It's about picking red versus a skin tone. So sometimes you get more than you think you're getting just because of a color palette. I, I do think sometimes, right now, that's paying for you to have books that wouldn't necessarily yeah, I actually, I have some opinions on that because I'm the writer of my book, it's, but it's creator-owned, so I had like a lot of talks with my, my artist who's also co-creator, and we had, we had a long time about what we wanted our character to look like on the covers of the book, because um, she's, she's a woman and we didn't know what we wanted her to wear. Um, and we really felt like it came down to who she was as a person, um, and she's, you know, she might not be that that sexy year person. Like maybe she's not like that. Um, she just graduated high school. Maybe she's not the only. Um, but I think if your character is a is somebody who would dress that way, then have them dress that way on the cover. Like like I wouldn't have a character not wear a bikini for a political reason. Like if they're the kind of person who's on the beach and in a bikini, then have them in a bikini on the beach on the cover. Um, but if they're not, then don't. Like yeah, that's how I feel. It's like Emma Frost is going to be in her underwear. We know that. But don't put Kitty Pride in her underwear yeah. on the cover. Because that's not who she is. Mm -hmm. We have a few more questions. I want to make sure I get everyone in. So there's at least three more. So this way here. So um, I'm from Seattle, uh, which is a very militant um, feminist indie comic championship ground. And it's been very interesting coming to this coast. And so my question has to do with uh, kind of inside the industry, um, what it looks like as far as our, and indie as well, are women banding together and like creating sort of overtly available resources? Like what is there, like I'm a woman over here wanting to get into comics and feeling intimidated, is there like a group or a channel? What resources Well, are I mean, there's stuff on the internet, there's, there's all these Facebook groups that, you, you know, because it's, it's basically all net-based, you can be anywhere. Like, you know, you get, Kelly Sue's um, milk-fed um, newsletter, or there's a bunch of Facebook groups and stuff like that. Um, there is a, uh, my friend Yazelle Ayala is part of a group called Feed Girl Brunch. And they have them all over the place. They happen to have them in New York, but they have them all over all over the place. And they have, I believe it's, it's either once a month or, or twice a month, I'm not entirely sure which. but you go and you have a theme, and you know, when I went uh, around the time of book, book Con in June, the theme was Wonder Woman. And you just go and you meet women in the area that just all converge for this, and you have a nice brunch breakfast, and you talk, and you talk about whether it's comics or movies or whatever, and it's just to meet women. So, I mean, but you can check out Geek Girl Brunch, I 
think it's geekgirlbrunch.com or ggbrunch.com. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, like, plenty of, like, Facebook groups and, you know, Twitter lists and things like that that people can, like, chat with each other on. Quick follow-up, so sorry. Do you know if there's a network of, like, women um, <coughs> comic stores or anything that are, like, in-person stuff? experience. I mean, writing Wonder Woman, I, I think if I got criticism on that book, it's more because Wonder Woman fans are so fanatic and everybody has an idea of who she should be. And so criticism was would have been more that I wasn't fulfilling someone's version of that character. I have, honestly, in this industry, and maybe I've had sort of a, a little more like an angel sitting on my shoulder, protecting me from that. I have never really had an experience within this industry so far where I have felt a door has been closed to me or something has been denied me because of my sex. Um, I feel like if I'm not doing something, it's because I'm not working hard enough to accomplish what I'm gonna do. And so if there was ever a message that I wanted anybody to get, out of it is if you believe strongly enough in yourself and you're willing to work hard enough for it, you will accomplish whatever it is you want. And I, I, I don't necessarily feel like, I feel like if, if you, sometimes women are maybe less about, we're less likely to brag about ourselves. I think if there's any downfall or shortcoming about women writers is that we're much more likely to to stand back and, and wait for people to say that was really great and to take compliments that way. Whereas I feel like in general a lot of the male writers that I've met and some male artists are very much like, yeah, my stuff is awesome. I'm the greatest. And you'll never catch me saying that. I'm never going to say that. That's just who I am. I hope that my work speaks for itself. I'm sure there are a lot of women who feel exactly the same way. And the way in which that that can happen is through bands and, and readership and people supporting. So I think I haven't really had an experience that I could say definitively was because I was a woman. I've, I've had mostly a positive experience so far. Yay, me! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm afraid that's all the time we have. Uh, but I want to give, please give a hand to the panel. Thank you for listening to this episode of Creator Talks. The podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. If you like what you hear, please rate and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't miss a single episode each Thursday. Subscribe, it's free. A new interview will be available each week, and sometimes there'll be a second, maybe even a third interview that week. You can send me feedback and comment on social media, I can be reached at Creator Talks Pod, that's at Creator Talks Pod on Facebook and Twitter. I'm also available on Instagram, Creator Talks Pod. There I will post pictures while I'm on location, as well as my Saturday Silver Age or Older and Sunday Bronze Age Spotlight comics from my personal collection. Don't forget to visit my website, creatortalks.com. There I have listed the latest episode on the homepage, plus a playlist of all the episodes to date that you can listen to online or download. In addition, on the site, I'll be posting my recommended reading picks as well as written interviews with creators. 
also on my YouTube channel are video interviews with creators on location at comic conventions and elsewhere. I know you have a lot of entertainment to choose from and a lot of podcasts to choose from as well. And I thank you for making the time to listen to this one, your best source for comic book writers, artists, and creators. There are more interviews in the works, and you never know who it might be. It is my distinct honor and privilege to speak to these creators and bring you those interviews each week. I'd like to thank my executive co-producer, who makes this possible, Mrs. Calloway. That's all for now. For Creator Talks, I'm Christopher Calloway. Until next time.